Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks talk about God. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. He is alive, (laughs) zombie-like, here to do the show. Mark, what did you do this weekend? I stayed up all night long with a bunch of junior high kids whom I love and adore and wanted to kill come about 6 o'clock that morning. Dude, good man. Good man. Better than me. (laughs) I gotta tell you, man. I gotta tell you. Once you've gotten to the point in life where... You're staying up all night on a regular basis because of a child, though in the infant stage. The whole staying up with junior hires thing loses some of its luster. You know, I wonder if when my kids are junior hires, it's going to be like all excited again to to do the whole overnighter thing. But uh, yeah, for me right now, uh, no, I just want to go to sleep. Thank you. No, I, it, you know, there were some really great moments. I, I, I love these kids. They're just a blast to hang out with. And there were some truly, there were some truly amazing moments. Like, uh, at five o'clock in the morning when we're all half dead, we lined up a bunch of soda bottles and greased up a frozen chicken and bowled for soda. That, that was a particularly interesting part of the morning. Sounds explosively fun. Yeah, it to, to say the least, it was quite entertaining just to see the kids approach the chicken at first, because they had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> approach and, the chicken gently. <laughs> but I, I, I do say that the best quote of the night has to go to this one girl, uh, her name's Rebecca, and uh, her, like, half her fa- well, not even, more than half, like, the vast majority of her family were there, because her mom is one of the leaders, her older sister is one of our high school youth leaders. And so, she, Rebecca walks up to me as we're playing laser tag. She puts on the sweetest face she can muster and looks up at me and says, Perna, you can shoot me, but remember, I'm a 12-year-old girl whose dad is a cop. <laughs> yeah, you know, I always found when I was a youth pastor that it was of vital importance to have a law enforcement officer on premises during these kind of <laughs> events. It helps... So much. Actually, at one point during my youth ministry career, having the the sheriff uh, on board really paid off well because a gang fight broke out in the in the parking lot. Hopefully, you don't have to deal with that. But you know, that's ministry. No, I would I would hope that I haven't had I haven't had to deal with that yet. Um, I'm hoping that I can last the at least the bulk of my career and not have that be an issue that I have to deal with personally. Yeah, it's a, it's the fun of doing ministry uh, in the deep dark bowels of San Diego, <laughs> which you wouldn't think yeah. of as a very gang ridden city, but it is. They all are. So, other than that, my weekend was spent asleep, basically. That that's uh, you know, flex time, if you will. I I had all these these dreams of you know I was tired, but I was going to be up and I was going to get something accomplished on Saturday. <laughs> I was. I was home by 8.30, I was asleep by 9, and I didn't wake up till 7. <laughs> then I went and to- by the, the way, folks, switch your AM and PM there. Yeah, switch, switch the yeah. natural AM and PM order there. I went to bed and the sun was up, I woke up and the sun was down. That throws you off for a few days, you know what I mean? Today is Monday, by the way, so Mike says anything uh, less than intelligent- that's why. I cannot be held responsible for the ridiculous things that come out of my mouth. Ah, well, are we ever on this show? Are we ever? 
No, well, we are responsible for them. We (laughs) We just can't control them. (gasps) We just allow them to happen. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, it was kind of entertaining because then Sunday I was given the night off because we didn't have junior high youth group, but we did have senior high youth group. Um, My youth leader gave me the night off. He said, you know, after spending your entire Saturday or your entire Friday night with these kids, I'm not going to have you come in and, you know, enjoy yourself. Just take some time off. So uh, Susan came over and we just hung out and we actually recruited my brother into the soon to hopefully soon to be started Victoriana game. And so my brother rolled his character. Susan has already rolled her character, and I'm so thrilled about this. It's going to be so much fun. Very cool. Very cool. Now, Mike, just like literally 10 minutes ago, I had a very kind of surreal experience. I want to throw it in there before we get to the rest of the show. Oh, I'm always up for a good surreal experience. So are you an MMA fan? I, I, I do enjoy a good fight every once in a while, though they do kind of get ridiculous after some point. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a big fan. I was a martial artist for a lot of years. Uh, I remember the very first UFC shows in our in our martial arts studio that somebody would bring in the sort of bootleg, you know, really bad copy of each of the these early, early super illegal, you know, the, the UFC ones you shows. Had- the ones you had to know a guy who knew right, a guy exactly, who snuck yeah. in, who right. snuck his camera into the stadium. Right. So I'm watching some MMA news today, and what do I see? But George Lucas's daughter entering oh, no. into an MMA fight, flanked by three stormtroopers and Darth Vader. I don't know Thank whether you to God laugh for or allowing cry. me to see that today. I I appreciate that. That's a thing I, of beauty. I don't know how to respond to such a thing. <laughs> and she used the force and she won. Of course she did. Yeah, that 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 That's it. That, we don't have to discuss it. I, I just had to tell that, you. <laughs> <laughs> I it's rare that I'm at a complete and total loss for words. <laughs> but I I honestly have no response that could even come close to the description you just gave me see typically folks before the show mike and i kind of do a quick rundown of what we want to talk about in the show oh yeah I let's talk about this let's talk about that i no, left no. this one out because i just wanted to see Storm what would happen around lady lucas was not was not a reference <laughs> well you did mention uh and it's kind of what we want to get into on this show you did mention that you've got a new game coming up yes i'm incredibly excited about this um, I'm excited on multiple levels. Uh, part of it is due to the fact that I, I I really tried to broaden my role-playing game experience. I've been playing D&D Can only forever. kill so many kobolds and holes. Right, especially since they've pretty much turned D&D from a role-playing game into a board game. Still entertaining, but not not the kind of visceral role-playing experience I'm looking for. Okay, that's a so pretty, while, that's a pretty big statement. That, Maybe we'll come back to it, but go ahead. We're gonna co- we'll come back to that because I could I could go on a rant for days about that. But uh, so I've been listening to all these guys on all these other podcasts and everything like that, talking about various tabletop games, and one that I I first heard about at my first Steampunk World's Fair. Uh, it's a it's a game called Victoriana. All right, and Vic- Victoriana is part fantasy, part steampunk. In the fact that 
It takes place in a very Victorian England setting, while it's not even remotely close to the Victorian England that you know of, and even your typical Victorian steampunk setting, because in a world that's full of steam-powered gadgets and craziness, you also have uh, ogres, halflings, elves, okay. though they're called though they're called Eldrin. You have beast men. You have a uh, world of of magic and and all sorts of craziness and so has the fae entered a steampunk england or has steampunk entered the fae yes okay basically in this world from what i've gathered it pretty much is not one was there and then the other showed up this it just is always was this is describing a world in which both right. have kind of shown up Okay. And there was there was this thing called the 30-year war. And in the 30-year war this kind of comes to a a huge epic conflict in the fact that the forces of heaven do, do battle with the forces of of hell and craziness ensues. Well, I mean, I can imagine that for you coming across a solid like design from the ground up to be steampunk RPG is is big news for you. I I'm not gonna lie. I picked up a supplemental guide to this to this game, and they actually talk about the mechanics, the in-game mechanics of somebody attaching a mechanical limb to a player who has lost an appendage, <laughs> and how to roll dice to make that happen. And I I knew that this game was going to be something that I wanted to play. <laughs> well, I know it's a game that you wanted to play, but that's that's not the reason you're super super excited about it. No, as as I've said, I think I I, I can't even recall if I've mentioned it on here. I did definitely mention it on Perception Chat. Right. I saw I saw your blog post. The the coolest thing about this the the thing that uh, tipped this game from something I was intrigued by to something that I ordered was it it actually happened over a conversation I had with my fiance when we were out for dinner. And you know, Susan has dealt with me being a gamer forever. I've tried very hard not to hide it and <laughs> kind of dribbled it out in bits and pieces so that she doesn't overwhelmed by my geekiness. So she's she's been with me and as as I've gone to play with a group of eight in our D&D game, she's heard me talk about characters, she's heard me talking about gaming experiences, but I started talking about Victoriana, a game that I had heard of for years, but never picked up because I never thought I'd get players. As I'm explaining this whole idea of steampunk and magic and faith and how it all ties together, because yes, there is powerful faith in this game, it's actually part of the mechanic, and, um... I'm I'm explaining this whole system to her, and it over dinner she just looks at me and she goes, "Huh, that sounds really interesting. I think I would actually play that one." Ding ding ding! I had it ordered within the hour, <laughs> and so as soon as it came in, I was talking to her, and we were talking about characters, and we were talking about this, that, and the other thing. As I'm waiting for the book to arrive, and then the book arrived, and I'm just flipping through it. There is a hundred pages of history. Before you even begin to get into cre- character creation. That's my that, kind of book right there. Oh, that made me salivate. It was gorgeous. And I'm just, I'm flipping through this thing. And we actually had a nerd date in the fact that there was <laughs> one night when Suze came over. We ordered dinner. And 
rolled her character. And it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced because I just started asking her questions. She was very clear with me. She did not want me to make her character. She wanted to make her character. And I tried very hard to hide the, you know, um, you know, gleeful glee. smile. Glee is the right word, yeah. I think I, I think glee is the perfect word for it. The the impish hilarity that sprung up within me. And uh I just I just started asking her questions because this is literally the first role playing character she's ever created. And this is a game that is much more character driven than combat driven or mechanics driven. This is character driven. And so I just started asking her questions. Where was her character from? Where, you know, was there anything in her past that is still kind of haunting her? Does she have any living family? And if so, what's her relationship with them? And she just kept coming at me with this amazing stuff. She she developed a character who her her father is... And, and one thing I have to stress is that uh, class has a different... It, normally when you're talking about role-playing games and you say class, you're thinking about fighter or wizard or no no that doesn't exist in this game what exists when i talk about class in victoriana is upper class middle class and lower class and susan susan picked a character whose father is upper class is an upper class human and her mother is a middle class eldrin which is an elf with the elf of this game and her mother refused to let her let her know who her father was because her father left her what and then she said well, I need a job, and so I'm going to be a governess, I'm going to be a nanny in my father's house, but I don't know it's my father. And I'm just like, that's the cool, I, oh, I I have so much I can do with this. And I'm literally scribbling things in my notebook of plot hooks and how I'm going to work that in, and, and she's just going to town on this. She did eventually give up and say, I've done some, like, we had 20 minutes of conversation just about who her character is, let alone all the mechanically fidgety stuff with dice and statistics but it was just it was so amazing it was it was so great to see her get excited about her character and to share in that that just pure awesomeness and yeah i got i i i'm still i'm still all giddy about it because as i said in the blog post this this moment took gaming away from something that was tearing me away from her hmm. And made it something that we can do together. Something that we can share together. And I'm really hoping that trend continues because I like that fact. I like the fact that that this can be something that's us and not just me that she deals with. Well, and I think that gets to the heart of what we wanted to talk about on this episode. And that is the question of us. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, we're We're going to talk about nerd love on this episode. And, you know, I just, it's an interesting conversation to have because let's be honest, man, geeks, we're a minority. Oh, yeah. And I actually uh, came across an article the other day, uh, I forget who it was, and the details aren't really important, but basically it was a guy, I, I, I think he's a publisher or something like that, coming along and saying, you know what we should do? We should take conventions, you know, whatever kind of convention, maybe you're going to Dragon Con, maybe you're going to uh, the Steampunk World Fair, maybe wherever you might be going, Comic-Con, whatever, and distribute the tickets on a per-gender basis. 
So oh a one my. to a one to one ratio, male to female. But I and that's an insane idea because one, they everybody go broke. But <laughs> two, I you know this idea that they're the hope that we'll take two geeks and we'll put them together, and that happens on occasion. I, I have a, a family who uh, fit that bill rather nicely. Uh, they they walked out uh, of their wedding to the. Uh, the the fanfare from the end of uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, uh, nice. and you know they, they're they they're perfect I, for each other, if you will. I, I I also know a couple who uh he he's actually my best man, and he and his wife left the church to the Imperial Death March. There you go, there you go. That's even worse. Um, but yeah, that's that's the rare case, right? Oh, absolutely. More typically. Well, hopefully you find somebody, and we could have that conversation if you want, because that's a debatable conversation sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then you end up, like you said, in the place, and you were really honest in your, your article on Perception Check, where at the beginning of your relationship, you were, we'll, we'll call it measured. Yes. About how you kind of let these things go. Now, I, I, I found that really, really interesting. And the thing about that, that for me, I am. I always say I am the worst person in the world to like go to for relationship advice. <laughs> oh, I gotta hear this. Well, here's the thing: is I was 17, a junior in high school, and a girl came into our youth group, and she was good looking. We went to an event that night. I chatted her up. Three weeks later, we were dating. We've been together ever since. Well, look at you. Exactly. Exactly right. Right. So how do I give anybody advice from that? Uh, you know, it's, it's we've been together forever. We were together basically for moment one, you know. We, and, and, and right now, half of our audience said, you jerk. And just the yeah, jealousy I, ratings I, I mean, are I, I get that. Roof. I understand that. And, and so people are like, well, how do, you, how do you work this out in your relationship? How do you work this out? We've been best friends since we were 17. Yeah. And, you know. All of everything, we've evolved together and we've grown together. And now we're put at a point in our relationship where I can say any wacky, crazy thing. <laughs> and she will either come along with me and do it, or she will make it possible for me to go do that. You know? Right. Like, I mentioned, you know what I would really like to do? I would like to learn how to slaughter a pig. Guess what? She buys me a class. To, she, here's yeah, how to go. She... Butchery classes. Off you go. I yeah, remember no. how giddy you were when I... that conversation happened yes and you know it's not like she's she's not going to get into it but uh, people know that uh i have a barbecue company and uh you know i was busy the other day and she just steps right in and she starts doing the cooking uh, you know we've we've done everything together side by side for so long i think sometimes man i forget that sometimes when you come into a relationship when you're not a kid some of that, there's got to be some nervousness about introducing your weirdness to each other. Uh, I, I, I have to say, like, um, I, I was honestly afraid of that before, long before I ever met Suze. I, I was terrified that someday I was going, someday I was going to meet a woman and she was going to ask me to stop being as geeky as I am. And I mean, I'd have done it. I'd have done it. But I was, I was. Terrified that's a, that's of that. a gnarly hypothetical, man. It, it trust me, it is. And I've seen a lot of guys that have had to put aside a lot of geek 
to to pacify the person that they're in love with. And part of the reason I hope that didn't come to, between us was the fact that that rarely ends well. Yeah, and well, I, I think that's I think that's probably a good insight. But um, at the same point, like I'm I'm 32 years old. Okay, I I've long since passed the I'm gonna uh, just dating for dating's sake. Okay, I, I I've long since passed the age of gosh, I'm gonna try this out and see how it is. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but you know maybe we're just gonna show we're gonna try. All right. So what you're saying is relationships ta- have taken on every relationship you entered into took on a little bit more weight. It it became I mean nothing had to be settled day 1. No, no, no. I, but just just I think more that's than foolishness. It, more than it had been. Right. It's the idea that if there's no chance of this going any farther, wh- why am I wasting my time? I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting her time. I got better things to do. I got raids. I <laughs> There you go. All right. So, I mean, it it just took on this idea of if it's if there's no chance for this to move forward, I don't want to bother. And so it was it was how do I put this? It was it was an act of self-preservation that I not completely hide my geekiness. Okay. So you don't want to end up 6 months into a relationship and all of a sudden then, show her your Warhammer collection. Right. I didn't I didn't want to just throw that at her you know, after we've we've made this huge commitment. Right. No, no. But at the same point, I acknowledge some things about myself that if if you throw that at somebody and you go from zero to cosplay... Right, exactly. It, you know, it, it unnerves some people. Yeah, it would unnerve me. And so I, I tried very hard to to balance it out. Be like, like, oh, see, I like normal things. I like going out for dinner and spending time with girls. Hey, I also like this thing called Firefly. Maybe you might like it. Uh, hey, I enjoy sports and going on walks in the in the fall amidst the falling golden leaves. Hey, I like to dress up and go to this convention every year. Yeah. <laughs> So I kind of I kind of trickled that stuff out there. Like every once in a while, I would just say, "Hey, I I really like this nerdy thing," and just kind of pause and see her reaction. And it's been really cool because, kind of dispensing this at a regular interval, I've I've seen her really embrace a lot of this stuff. So I, I've shared on multiple occasions that Susan is, has become a brown coat. She really loves Firefly. Her car is even named Serenity and has a bumper sticker that says "Made by Firefly Engineers." Nice. Like this, I mean, she really enjoys that. She's really gotten into Doctor Who. Like we watched, we watched not this past year's, but the previous year's Christmas special, and she was like, she was crying, and I mean, it was it. It's just so much fun to share in that stuff with her. And, you know, but even then, gaming has always been this weird little thing that I've done. Mm. And it took me a while to, like, it pretty much came to the fact that she asked me why we couldn't do anything one Saturday, and I had to reveal to her that, well, once a month I get together with a bunch of guys in my buddy's basement, and we play with little miniatures and pretend to do magic and kill green-skinned orcs. Like, that, that... revelation had to happen and she (laughs) 
she wasn't as embracing of this. <laughs> th- that particular aspect of my existence took a little more convincing. It really had a lot to do with, with her and her willingness to, you know, be with me in this relationship. Yeah, well, I, I think that, that hits the key. Because we're talking about geeky stuff, and I'll be, let's be fair, most geeky weirdness does take it a level beyond your average dude's typical weirdness. If if you're doing it right, you're going to freak some people out. Right. But in every relationship, we're going to bring in, uh, you know, a set of interest, a set of not even just, but just ways of going about life. Mm-hmm. That you're going to have to figure out how to navigate together. And again, I, like I said, that's why I say that I'm just such a terrible, terrible advice giver. Because I was with my wife before I had figured out my ways of life. But, you know, what you've kind of described is this, uh, y- you could take out role-playing games and put in just about anything. Oh, yeah. And the process that you guys are going through right now, especially, I mean, you guys are engaged, and it's, you're kind of in that very tumultuous, everything is happening at this stage of your relationship. It was three months, three months yesterday, and we'll be married. Three months exactly from yesterday. Right. Well, and just not even the engagement, but it kind of, you know, once you're kind of on the road to engagement, things are moving at a pretty high rate of speed for most people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, this is all going down in three months. <laughs> I just, your hypothetical situation, what would you have done had she not embraced that part of you? And, you know, it's terrible to use your relationship as an example. So if you're not, you don't want to do that, I get it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we kind of, we have to deal with that for everybody. And mm-hmm. what, what do you do when you come to a relationship and you have to decide, is this part of what I, the way I do my life, you know, either the, the other person embraces it or I have to make the decision to let it go. And I think you're right. You kind of hinted at it a little bit. That's a bigger call than we, than, than most of us treat it. Most oh, of yeah. us are going to be, you know, the noble chivalrous. I'm going to sacrifice myself for the sake of this person that I love. And frankly, it's a bad, bad plan. Right. It really is. And if you, got, if you can't figure out a way to embrace each other wholly, eventually, that little bit of disconnect will become a lot of disconnect, and that lot of disconnect will become a crack. And if you have spent any time in the world of science fiction, you know that anywhere you put a crack, it's a bad, bad thing. <laughs> a bad thing. Poor Rory ends up just disappearing into the void if there's a crack around somewhere. Uh, Doctor Who references. Amen. I love Rory. I'm so sad do. that he's going. We all do. <sighs> okay, enough with the Doctor Who nostalgia. I I think that that you made a good point in the fact that and 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 yeah, I I kind of mentioned it too. The idea that if you completely if if you completely just say forget this, I'm done. I I don't need to be geeky. I'm totally just going to push this aside. I'm going to push this away to to be in this relationship. Now, part of that comes from some maturity. Like, maybe you don't need to do this as much. Maybe this isn't... And there's some questions that you can be asking yourself to try and figure out, you know, how how important this is to you. But I, I think what we're trying to talk about here, and what you're kind of leading up to, Luke, is the idea of 
of you've established that, that being a geek, being involved in whatever particular geeky passion has, has gripped your existence, it's important to you to the point that you don't want to give that up. And to throw that away, or to try to throw that away, is like literally ripping a part of your very, your very being, your very essence, and saying, I don't need that anymore. And really what starts happening, when that becomes the, the basis of your relationship, yeah, at first, you're going to play the noble hero who, who says, I'm going to give it up, I'm going to give up everything for her, I'm going to give up everything for him, I'm just going to throw everything into this. But in the long run, and it, say maybe months or years down the line. And we do need to remember this. It is hard to it is hard to remember at that stage in the relationship when you've been dating for maybe a months or maybe years that the on the other end of I do you might have 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. That's a long time to be sacrificing. Right. Especially if it's an unnecessary sacrifice. And see, that's why that's why I refuse to hide my geekiness because, you know, it it it's a huge part of who I am. And and going into the relationship saying, if there's no hope for a for if there's no hope for forever, I don't want to be a part of this. She had to know, right? And and I think that if you try to throw that away, even if you have the most noble of intentions, after you know five, ten, twenty years that noble sacrifice turns into resentment. I remember when I used to do that thing that I really loved, but she made me kick it. She right. made me stop or he made me give that up. So let, let me try to spin this in a positive direction. Now. I always love it when that happens. Okay. Um, you know, and I have just gone through a fairly elaborate attempt at telling people not to listen to me when it comes to relationships. <laughs> But now I'm going to give you advice that you need to listen to. But but I was I have been a pastor for a long time. I've done a lot of counseling. I've done a lot of premarital counseling. I've done a lot of what I affectionately call postmarital counseling. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, here's the thing: is when you're coming to that decision that you're going to say, "I'm going to put aside my geekiness," or "I'm going to grow up," or whatever you want to call it, right? What you're doing in that state, and, and okay, here's how I I think about this: every relationship has three aspects to it there is the what i call the friend there is the lover and there is the partner okay we all have all three of those things happening in every single romantic relationship we will ever be part of hopefully (laughs) when you are coming and saying i'm willing to give up this thing you are you are leaning heavily on that partnership aspect of the relationship and as christians we are taught to do that we are taught to, to have agape love. We are taught to have self-sacrificial love for the sake of partnership. And that's mm-hmm. a beautiful idea. But it's just really super hard to do unless you have the lovers and the friends firmly established. And so how do we spin this in a more positive direction? What do we, what do we love about being geeks? We love that we play. So... How do we be geeks in a relationship? We encourage a relationship where we can play. And Mike, you're literally playing a game now with Suze. You're literally playing a game, but that that whole vibe where you have a friendship, 
where you have this thing where like, hey, let's order pizza or let's order some food and just, you know, hang out and do, in your case, a game or or let's watch Firefly or let's, you know, watch Big Bang Theory or let's, uh, you know, do something that she likes to do. Let's, you know, look at the stuff on Pinterest, you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times the phone reaches across the couch. Check this out. It's on Pinterest. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I, I would not necessarily go looking for those things on my own, but I think it's really cool when she hands it over to me. Mm-hmm. And it's because our, root, our friendship is rooted in play. And we always want to play. And, you know, it's not always practical. We can't always play. Sometimes we have to do the other stuff. But, I want her to be having fun. I want her life to be fun. And she wants my life to be fun. And so because of that, whatever crazy thing we want to do, we totally encourage each other in it. Well, it it's really entertaining to see uh, our relationship from where it started, you know, wow, a, a little over a year ago now. And uh, to really see how we've affected each other. Uh, to see that, that Suze has, has reminded me about you know, I can't always be the ridiculous, over-the-top person. There is a point of my existence where I have to to stop and calm down, to to rest and not keep going. You know, she has been a very, very much a grounding influence in my absolutely ridiculous, bat crap, crazy existence. On the other side, she has always been very, very quiet, very, very soft-spoken. But I always knew that there was there was this creative, this wonderful this powerful personality beneath that and so on on the flip side of the coin i have tried to to bring that out in her to empower her to be everything that she she is which i know that sounds ridiculous but a lot of times we deny who we are and so my my whole place in this relationship has been to empower her to be the person that she's always pushed down and so it was so great just to sit there and talk with her about this character because I know that she's had these cool ideas in her head. She's read too much great literature to not have these ideas throw, you know, flying around in her head. And to see her, see that bubble up, I, you know, I, I don't want to keep going back to the 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 blog post, but at the same point, it was such. I, I when I came up with this analogy, it it really just spoke to me. One of my favorite movies ever, in fact until Hugo dethroned it, it has been my favorite movie ever, is a movie Finding Neverland. And it's been it's been out long enough that I feel like I can talk to the end talk about the ending without spoilers. There's one part towards the you know towards the climax where J.M. Barry's wife is reading the notebook filled with stuff about about Neverland and she says, I wish you would have taken me here. And he responds with a very dejected, well I tried but you were busy organizing the furniture. And, you know, fast forward through a lot of stuff, uh, Sylvia Llewellyn Davies is sitting in her parlor and she can barely speak, she can barely stand, and yet he brings the play into her parlor. And at one part in the movie, all the walls of their parlor disappear and there's Neverland. And this woman who can barely stand gets up. Hmm. And is standing right on the edge of Neverland, and he lit- he walks up to her and whispers into her ear, "This is Neverland," and she walks into it. I swear that was the moment I had. Mm. 
I felt the walls part. I, I could see pirates and lost boys and Indians and, uh, you know, I could hear the ticking, clock, the ticking crock. I saw all of that and I just wanted to just walk up to her and she's talking about this character and really sitting there asking questions like, do I think Lucy would do that? No, I don't think Lucy would, but I do think she would do this. Like, as she's doing it, I'm just like, this is it. This is why I love playing these games. This is why I love doing this. Well, and I think that you hit on a, a big issue here. I like to call marriage the only singular relationship we will ever have. You know, mm. I, I, and it's maybe not entirely accurate. Uh, you know, you might say, well, you only have one relationship with a mom. You only have one relationship with your dad. But we do have two parents, and even if we don't have the privilege of knowing one of those parents, you know that they exist. Uh, and you might have this relationship with a sibling. In fact, I think if you have just one sibling, it's the closest thing. But but generally, that relationship happens in childhood more than it does in adulthood. In a marriage, you have the only opportunity you have to have a purely singular relationship. And that means that you have the opportunity. Now, not everybody lives up to it, but you have the opportunity to have the safest relationship you can imagine. It's a relationship where, because there's only one per other person involved, you know that you can drop those barriers, and the things that might have you say, I'm not going to create a character, or I'm not going to go and try this thing that has been playing around in the back of my mind because I, I f might feel awkward about it, or I might feel scared to go do that in public. Hopefully the person that you are married to, or marrying in your case, is the person who you can say, I want to try this crazy thing and not be afraid and not feel like I'm going to get stepped on or I'm going to look silly because this is a person you can't look silly with because you've done everything together. You've seen everything together. And I think that's really beautiful, man. I think that's, you know, and to think about it in terms of a game and think about it in terms of uh, creating characters, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's been really interesting. And I think I think one thing that that kind of helped turn a corner here was uh, you know we've we've been talking about uh, all the things that about bringing her in and everything. I do also want to stress the idea of of the difference between what you think is a relationship and what is actually a relationship. Okay. Uh, the Explain. big thing that I've all I, I'm I'm getting to it. All right. Because, um, I've experienced a lot of people talk about their relationships, and they're like, oh, if somebody asked me to do that, I would never do that. Or if somebody asked me to do this, I would never do this. And while we just got done talking about how there are certain things that you shouldn't give up of yourself, there are things that we're just kind of holding on to for no good reason. Oh, for sure. Like, it's not... It's not a part of who we are. It's just we're being a brat and we don't want to get rid of our toy. Right, for sure. Number one on and that list is other women. Yes. You're going to have to let that one go. Gentlemen, but, um, you're going to have to let that one go. <laughs> and you will continue to have to let that one go. Eventually, again and again and again. Because eventually, at some point, another one will show up. Continue. Sorry, I'm a preacher. I got to do this every now and again. <laughs> Bust out the the preacher moves. But um, the one thing that really helped uh, Sue's turn the corner when it came to gaming was uh, one. There was one weekend where uh, her grandmother got really sick. Still is, but has kind of come out of the darkest part of the woods there. 
But when she was first diagnosed, um, Suze looked at me and said, Mike, I know you have your game this weekend, but I was really kind of hoping to go see her. And without hesitation, I said, I will call the guys right now if you want to go. They can, they can play a session without me. And she, she gave me this look like, like, really? Because I know this is really important to you. Because it, it was to a degree. I mean, we had already given up like two, two sessions due to the holidays. So it had been like two or three months since I'd seen these guys, and I'm used to seeing them at least once a month. And the fact that I was able to look at her and go, it's not a thing. This is much more important. There is much more value in me going with you to see your sick grandmother than me sitting in a basement playing with dice. And I said, you have to acknowledge, you have to realize that you are way more important to me than any stupid game. And I think that, that, that really helped her turn the corner to realize that there isn't anything terrible or awful in this experience. It's, it's just something I do. It's one expression of my geekiness. And, and I made it quite clear to her, while I don't think, I, I can't turn off the geek. I can't. I, it's, it's impossible for me to do that. However, if she told me to give up Dungeons and Dragons tomorrow, I would do it in a heartbeat. That something that I have all this cool stuff for, and I've played all these great games, and I have all these great moments with, with, with really great friends, I would give up that game in a heartbeat because she's more important to me than that. And I think that, that in a fake relationship, you grab onto the game. You grab onto one aspect of geek and say, this is mine and you can't take it from me. Uh, I can't believe you would ask. This is unfair of you to ask this of me. In a relationship, you start looking and you say, is this really worth the hurt it's going to cause her? Is doing this worth the kind of pain and suffering it might cause her, might cause him? And, you know, there, there is a point where some things have to be compromised, not given up. Not, you know, completely, you know, denied. But compromises, because that's what relationships are about. Two people walking together, not two people walking next to each other. And, I mean, I know that seems like splitting hairs, but if that's, I, I've just seen so many relationships just fizzle out to nothing because they are two people that exist in the same place. They're not in a relationship together. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree with you more. I can't agree with you more. And again, you know, I kind of use that 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 series of images of friends, lovers, partners. The thing is, is that we only have any any one of us. We we might act like we could make the most noble sacrifices in the world, but it's really hard to do. Now, here's how you can get those kind of sacrifices done. Whether they're big, huge sacrifices, which for you, giving up role playing games would be. Or whether mm-hmm. they're the little sacrifices that we all make every single day to make our relationships work well. And that is by having the kind of relationship where you trust that both of you make, are making your decisions for the sake of the other. Right. You know, if a girl came along and just randomly said, hey, I'm more important. I don't want you doing these things because I don't want you to. <laughs> that's probably not the healthiest relationship. Right. But if the girl who loves you dearly comes along and says, 
hey, you're spending too much time doing this and it's affecting me, it's affecting maybe your kids, it's affecting your life, well, then you sure better listen to that girl. Well, I mean, it even just, it even just happened recently this, this past weekend. Um, I was given the night off from the senior high youth group. I had every intention of going. Right. I, I love these kids. I, I want to spend as much time with these kids as I can because the relationships you build with them are where you actually get to show them God. Not, not sitting in a, in a, uh, youth room on a Sunday night hearing a sermon. It's when you actually get to spend time with them. So I love spending time with these kids, and I was going. Then uh, Suze found out that I had been given the night off, and she looked at me and she said, "She said, I don't think you should go. I think you need to rest. You've you're clearly exhausted, and you just need to stop. You're you've given permi- you've been given permission to stop. You're not going to go against any kind of responsibility here. You need to take this." The reason I can look at her and not be completely upset, which Honestly, like, five years ago me, which is even before I met her, but, like, five years ago me would have been like, no, this is a responsibility. I need to be there. I need to do this. And even if it might still be a first instinct, way kind of just that first little thought that pops into your head. Right. I remember that Susan is also the person who looked at me and said, if you get a job in a church in middle of nowhere Idaho and you start tomorrow, I am going with you. That you that's right. You you've nailed it. I I think that is the perfect example of what a relationship is all about. Is you know this person is for you. Yeah. You know she's for you more than anybody else in this world is for you. You know, and that means she wants you to game because she knows that you love it. But it also means that sometimes she's going to tell you things that you don't want to hear but that are for you. You know? Mhm. That's what it's all about. And, you know, I, I, I think this is when we, we turn the corner. I mean, granted, it's really hard to, to say that you're turning a corner when you talk about... Relationships uh, are kind of... Relationships. Right. I mean, but, but that's just it. From if you, you can't look at relationships as, they, as seen through the lens of Scripture without seeing that the reason we do this, the, the, the template by which relationships are seen is by how much God loves us. Hmm. I mean, I, you know, Luke, you just said, you know, you've spent time doing premarital counseling. I've done premarital counseling and I'm in premarital counseling right now. And, and this whole relationship dynamic, you you always are going to come back to the passages that say, you know, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Basically meaning that both people in this relationship empty themselves and their own desires and their own, their own wants for the benefit of the other, knowing that they're doing the same for you. Mm. And, and all of that is tied up into the image of God. It's tied up into the fact that God has done that for us. There's a reason that the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And there's so much talk about the wedding feast and all this, all this relational language when it comes to our relationship with God. It's the idea that, that God has given up everything. And I know that I know that sounds so weird, but if you really look at the cross and what it means, that's exactly what has happened. You know, the thing is, it does sound weird. And you'd think, right, when, when, I don't know, but when I was on the other side of I do, mm-hmm. I kind of thought about it in terms of my understanding of God and his relationship with me is going to inform my marriage. And it has. But I want to be honest with you. The experience of my marriage 
has so much more informed my understanding of God oh, yeah. than the other way around. Because there is something in the just raw connectedness that I have to my spouse, and not just the connectedness, but what happens because of that connectedness that has made my relationship with God that much richer, that much clearer. And I, again, that comes down to that one sacred relationship. And and I realize that yeah, we live in a society where it maybe isn't the one sacred relationship, but but it was kind of intended to be. Mm-hmm. And it, because in through that experience, we find out what it means to be connected to God. And we find out what it means for God to be entirely for us. And, and, and no human can do that. No human can, can be as for us that, that God is. But being able to experience that even in a little bit uh, really does inform your experience of God. Yeah, and it's, it's so interesting just to see. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a really, I don't, I don't even know how to put words to this. It's been just an experience beyond understanding, really, to, to walk with Susan in this. Because you can say over and over again, you can say things like, like, oh, I'm just gonna, I, I totally want to just walk with you and, and I'm going to empower you to do what you want to do and to be who God has for you. And like, you can say stuff like that. I've been saying that to people for years. But when I'm, when I'm talking about the relationship that Susan and I have, I, I've, I've come that there's been more of a drive for that than I think I've ever had with any other relationship in my existence. It's that idea of my, my job, my responsibility in this relationship is to make her see who God has her, has made her to be. I'm not making her that. I'm not doing anything there. I'm showing her who God has made her to be. And I will help her in any way I can to be who God has for her to be. Likewise, I know that she is going to take me to task to be the man of God that that God has made me to be. It seems so cheesy to say that she is going to to push me to be the man that she she knows I am. But but it's true. Well, sometimes because sometimes we're not as for us as our spouses. Absolutely. In fact, I think probably a lot of the times. And to have that that encouragement, that admonition, sometimes the uh the gentle correction, sometimes the less than gentle correction <laughs> that comes from a spouse who loves you, you know, it really does make you more in the image of Christ. And like you said, specifically more in the image that Christ has for you. I think so much of of relationship and the whole building of this, it we've kind of danced around it, and it's I just want to to kind of crunch it down a little bit. It's this this idea that that you are there to build each other up. Mm. That it's it you know so much we talk about giving things up and 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 receiving things. That's it. You are there to build each other up. You are there to make each other more like you know, draw closer to God. And a lot of times we think that we can do that by ourselves and we can't. We're not wired to do that by ourselves. And in fact, this is, I mean, this is an image that has been, has been ingrained in me from seminary. Um, one of my favorite professors, uh, we were talking about the Trinity 
and I loved his class in Trinitarianism. And he he was talking about creation. He's talking about God as creator, and he's talking about just the sheer act of creation and, and what was going on. And he was talking about the creation of Adam and Eve. And he broke it down, and he said, I want you to look at this. Because this moment, when God looks at man and said, it is not good for man to be alone, this is before sin. This is before sin has entered into the world. This is before the the relationship between God and man was ripped apart. This is before that wound happened. When God and man walked in the garden and just talked, and there was nothing separating them. This is the scene that we have here. And God still looked at man and said, it is not good for man to be alone. How much more after sin, how much more after that that wound that ripped us apart, ripped our relationship to shreds with God, how much more is it that we need to be with others? Hmm. How much more is it that we need to cling to other folk, to other folk, especially in this relationship, this, this spousal relationship? Because we're not wired to do this by ourselves anymore. We never have been. Mm. We never will. From the very from the word go, we were designed to be with somebody in this. I mean, there there's a, a a very small select group of us that are are wired to be single, and I applaud those people so much. Those those guys can do some amazing things. They are freed up to do ministry like I will never be able to do. I'm not wired that way, and I think the vast majority of us are not wired that way. And I think that that if we find somebody who builds us up to be closer to God, not to be, you know, just to be better for better's sake, not to feel good about ourselves, but somebody who makes us more like God and will do everything in their power to make us more like God and somebody we want to lift up to be more like God, that's when you have a real relationship. And I think you've got it just right. And uh, I think that's also a really apt note to uh, end this episode on. So, Mike, how can folks find out a little bit more about you? Uh, as we revealed in the last podcast, um, I've, I've kind of been working on a blog that kind of goes alongside of what we're doing here on Game Store Profits. Uh, currently, it is still in its non-owned domain. <laughs> uh, it is at uh, www.perceptioncheck.wordpress.com. And the story that uh, you promised us last week, it is there. It is there. Um, it, it was an interesting little little romp. Uh, I don't know how often I'm going to be able to do that, and I don't think I'm always going to announce it on GSP. I don't think I'm always going to do that dramatic, I'm going to draw out my cards now. But uh, keep looking for the, the blind draw storytelling. Uh, I really had a lot of fun doing it, and I know at least one other person who has said that uh, he he got himself his own set of Once Upon a Time cards and wants to write stories himself. So I'm I'm super excited about that. You can also find me on Twitter at Shadow of Cyrano, or uh, as my fictional character from the book that I'm working on, uh, uh, at Von Klockwerk. And you can also find me at TinkerStory.com, where you can find pretty much the archived stories from my one-year writing experiment called Tinker. Um, yeah. That, <laughs> Luke, how can people find out more about you? Uh, well, you find me on Twitter at Luke Navarro, and then you can find out more about the show at Game Store Profits or Facebook 
com slash game store profits. You can get in touch with us at either one of those places, or you can send us email at game store profit at gmail.com. As always, we are so thankful that you're hanging out with us, talking about geeky things, but also talking about the things of God. And we leave you with a reminder that we always do that God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.